Welcome to Watch This Space, the podcast about future of work. Every month, we bring you insider perspectives on how digital transformation, emerging technologies, and generational change are shaping the future of work. We are two analog guys finding the groove for all of this in today's digital world. I'm John Arnold, and these trends are my focus as an independent technology analyst in my company, J. Arnold and Associates. And I'm Chris Fine. I'm an independent consultant and strategist specializing in workplace technology, IoT, and security. My company is Integrative Technologies. John, how are you? Great to get together for another podcast here. Same here. Same here, Chris. We are going uh, now into the cooler time of year, which um, is still busy time for a guy like me who is going from constant virtual conference to virtual conference to virtual conference. It's really more than any person should be having to do, but that's the nature of the business right now. But uh, I will be doing my first bit of travel since the pandemic starting uh, next week, which will be the end of October. And I'll be doing two stops along the way. So it's a whole new routine regime to get used to. Um, So there's a lot of, uh, a lot more planning around travel than I've had in the past. And you? Well, you must be excited to get back to the John Arnold Traveling Analyst Roadshow, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that part that part is good. I, I definitely like being in the home groove, but um, the the side benefit to this is that the, the main event is our uh, SCTC, Society of Communications Technology Consultants, of which I'm a member and a board member, but also I'm in the band. So our SIPTones uh, ride again, and we are doing the uh, kind of the music entertainment. So we have a gig to do in San Diego where the event will be. And uh, for those who are gonna be there, it's gonna be a lot of fun. So I get to wear my uh, wannabe musician hat and uh, put on the fun hat for a while. Well, that sounds great. As things resume, I am hoping to have the chance to actually hear the SIP tones live, which believe it or not, in all the years I've never been able to do, it just never uh, happened to be same time, same place. So. I hope to have that opportunity one of these days. Yeah, well, me too, Chris, for all the time we've uh, known each other. It, this has, it doesn't happen often, but uh, as with other events, our band leader, Rick, records video and audio, and we get some of the, some of the snippets uh, get posted and shared, and I, I post a bunch of them on my website that anybody can view anytime if you want to see and hear what we sound like. But uh, yeah, this, this time around, will be, it'll be fun. It'll be fun just getting out there, as you say. You just went to your first live show in a while, too, right? And that must be a fun thing to reconnect to. It really was nice to go hear some live music uh, in, a, in a decent venue and good band. It was, it was really good. I, it's nice to be able to get out, you know, within the guidelines a little bit. Um, so that's very refreshing. And as far as John Siptone's videos, I can only recommend them to the, our audience here. They're good and entertaining. And I also just should say hi to everybody and thanks again for joining us this month. So John, I have a topic to recommend because, and it's funny you should mention the SIP tones because this is not completely unrelated, but I read an article the other day that British Telecom is actually proactively decommissioning 
what would have been called the Public Service Telephone Network, or PSTN, in the UK in 2025. And then I think you told me that it's actually a similar action, although I doubt it's as centrally coordinated, is scheduled for the US uh, even sooner. So uh, I think you called it the Copper Sunset. Yeah. And, you know, for us as analog guys, uh, this is probably the ultimate topic to be talking about because, you know, if, if there's any form of analog technology that has survived, you know, to this point and is still has a lot of utility, it's the PSTN, right? I, I just can't think of a better example of technology that's still with us largely in its original form when you think about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for for those unfamiliar with the term, it's it's the it's what we call landlines for the most part, right? It's copper telephone lines. So it doesn't mean that the idea of the telephone is going away, but that infrastructure that was built and maintained so successfully for well over a hundred years uh, and updated along the way, and which led to so much innovation is actually finally nearing the end of its life and they'll be able to transition you know as far as the story goes with relatively few side effects because effectively they believe they have substitutes for virtually all of its advantages but you know it's not exactly the future of work that we talk about all the time but it is really because if you think of a technology intimately involved with the evolution of work and Tech and and industry and the economy, it's hard to find ones that were more than the telephone. I mean, you would argue computers, which were partly an outgrowth of telephone technology, and a few others. But it 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 was pretty momentous for a very long time, right? Totally, totally. And and we should probably unpack a little bit of this for any listener who is under 40 or dare I say even 30, when we talk about copper, we're talking about a physical network built on copper wire that creates an end-to-end connection. So right now in our wireless internet world, we it's a pretty much a connectionless you know, environment where you know it's it's not about physically connecting things because that's that dictates everything about distance, about cost, about how you do things. Um, Yeah, we had, uh, I mentioned SCTC. So uh, uh, to illustrate a little bit more, one of our, our last, um, we do these Wednesday fireside chat sessions where we have different speakers on different topics. And the guy who leads it, his name is Steve Layden. He's a consultant and he's the drummer in our band, by the way. Uh, But he has a a second property on a place off the coast of Georgia called Jekyll Island. And its claim to fame is where the first long distance phone call was made. And there's an incredible history around this. And it was all about the, I think it was the chairman of AT&T at the time they were going to do this momentous event. I think he broke his leg or something and he had to convalesce at Jekyll Island, which is one of these millionaires rows like like Newport and Rhode Island, that kind of thing. That's where all the big corporate guys had their vacation homes. And in order for this to happen, he had to order a 1,200-mile undersea cable to be laid to connect to Jekyll Island so he could make this long-distance phone call. And when you think about, you know, the physical 
requirements to build a connected network. When it works, it's wonderful, but you're just getting the end product, but the planning and engineering that goes into creating something that works this way is just, you know, it blows your mind when you think about what it actually took to make this. It was pretty incredible. And if you go back and think about what drove the design of the telephone network, as I mean, the original invention itself was a huge breakthrough, but most of the innovation came from scaling, right? From distance and capacity and fidelity and so many other things. And the number of subscribers and endpoints on the network, very similar to what we've seen in subsequent networks. It was the original network effect. Exactly. And, and the original network. Yeah. It really was. So think about it, though. When For the first few decades after the telephone network started being built, a lot of people did not have electricity. They did not have the ability, you know, nowadays we just take it for granted where we plug stuff in, you charge it, you got batteries in your phone, all of this kind of stuff. They're rechargeable, you got outlets all over, um, and you always have power. But the landline technology of telephones was designed to work without power at the end points, even though it was an electrical network. And you didn't have to, after the very first few years, you didn't have to have batteries in your phone. If you look at those old, if you ever see a picture of the old wooden wall phones, some of the original ones of those actually did have batteries in them. But once the innovation was made in the 1870s or 80s to have what they called central battery, which was at the office, nobody even had to have electrical power. Yeah. And... It you know, just simply the challenges that had to be overcome to get that that power and sound out to a rural place with a long run of wire. It, it was it was amazing. And then the advent of switching so the operator didn't have to connect everybody. It was just an, a parade of innovation, right? For sure. And it's just, when you think, it really is very profound to understand this idea that as long, as long as that physical wire is connected end to end, that's why the phones were bolted to the wall and attached to a wire that runs at their baseboard, or, you know, out to the phone lines, out on the phone poles. Once you have all of that, as you say, you don't need electricity. So everybody can have it. And there was no type of communication that existed before this that could have that kind of reach and make universal communications possible because the other forms of media of the time, the postal system, telegraph, newspapers, radio, they were largely local in their use. They weren't national, they weren't global. There was no such thing. The only way we could get the news, right, was when the newspaper came in the morning and or you hear it over the radio, but that was about it. And this is way before television, of course. But this this whole idea of building it, and, and I want to kind of do a look back and a look forward to this, Chris, because I, I think this has a lot of weight to it that people probably take for granted. Um, like you said about, you know, connecting people who don't have electricity, who live in rural places. I mean, this was a miracle that they could all connect on the same technology, the same network, and it became a universal form of communication. 
Now, when you think about that, that's in the real spirit of building a strong democracy that everybody has access to communication, much like that was kind of the vision of the internet, right? To make information freely available to all. But the simplicity of the phone network to achieve that is really, I think is really fantastic. And the fact that it is going to go away and be decommissioned, however you want to describe it, actually brings an end to a, a, an era and a mode of doing things. And the replacement of this, I'm not so sure is better in certain ways. And I want to get to that because when we talk today about what they call the digital divide, right? Access to technology is really becoming a key determinant of the winners and losers in today's world. And when you take away something that provided universal access that was affordable and accessible to everybody, and there's nothing to replace it other than the digital alternatives, well, there are going to be winners and losers. And that part is just inevitable. That's, not, that's the price of progress, right? But it is kind of a follow-up that's going to happen when this time comes. Well, I agree with that idea, but I'm going to push back a little bit on particulars because there is a case to be made that especially with the advent of wireless networks, the phone, the, the kind of the network that, that succeeds this copper network or replaces it or supplants it is actually in some ways more egalitarian in the sense that pretty much anybody on the face of the earth can get a phone of some sort. And that was definitely not the case in the in the world of the phone network traditionally, because even though it did democratize many things, including the origins of e-commerce, right? Because you could call and order things, which was unheard of, um, and you could you could do business in real time, which other than telegraphy was unheard of at the time. It's it, in some ways it is more of a flat landscape right now, and in fact some the the internet was actually i mean you could some of us can make the argument that any modern networking technology either grew from all the research and innovation of the phones or was a reaction to it right so the internet's design was actually a reaction to some of the limits of the phone network which was it went through centralized hubs and if you if, if they were afraid that if there's a nuclear attack and it knocked out, let's say, a switching center, you would knock out a very wide range of service. And so the internet was designed to be location independent, like a message could to get could be rerouted in many more ways than it could be on the on the phone network. Right. So in some ways, what happened was this modern network removed the dependence on place. I mean, a phone used to be a place, right? It was it was assigned to an address, it was a physical place. And nowadays that's not true. So, but I do, I don't think that, that this has helped prevent the growth of some of the other side effects that have led to the divide. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. As I say, the price of progress, right. You know, we, you know, in a lot of ways, as we've talked before, you know, VOIP, it's, that's not circuit switched. It's not connection based. Has, has some superior advantages. There's absolutely no doubt about it, you know, but I, but I also, you know, you look at the way 
you know, the invention of the of the road network to enable cars to go anywhere. It's, it's, it's the same thing. Those who can afford to use it get tremendous benefit from it. But uh, as you mentioned, not everybody had access to phones and, you know, party lines were a very big thing. And, you know, we, we just don't, and we don't recognize that I think today, and maybe that's kind of what I'm trying to get to is this right. abundance, you know, economics of abundance that we don't, there's no cost associated with the new forms of telephony. So we don't consider it a, you know, in scare, in any form of scarcity to it. So you just use it like it's there. But at the same time, you, you bring up the good point about innovation. So if the digital replacement technology is going to supersede the copper network, which is fine. Now we become entirely dependent on it and we don't have any alternatives. Can that same type of life-changing innovation come from the current model? Probably yes. I, I think I think it has, right? I mean, when you look at the level of innovation, but they had a fairly strong foundation to start on, which props to the inventors and and expanders of the telephone network they really didn't have at the time. I mean, they basically had, you know, electric theory. Um, the phone network even predates radio, which is amazing, right? The phones were in place for 30 years-ish before, before radio really came to the fore. Some of the origins of radio lie in some of the work that the telephone people did, not all of it. But you know, it's all kind of intertwined. I think today, if you think about the foundation that new innovation can be built on, it's so much broader, which is, a, you know, it's a basically a good thing, but, you know, it has its risks as well, right? Yeah. But, you know, too, I, I, I've written about this before, the, the phone network, the PSTN, you know, where this copper sunset thing is going, Yes, it's an end of an era. Yes, we have better technology, but it's easy to overlook the idea that the Bell system, the phone network, you know, it was more than a phone network. Like today's technology is what it is. But back in the in analog times, the phone network was the way you had you to provide emergency services, for example, 911. The way that there was a phone book that everybody got because that was the only way to find people way before internet, of course. And, and the, the existence of a phone network kind of was more than just that. It was, it was kind of the, you know, the, the, not the DNA, but it was kind of like the, the thread that connected people. And it was just more than a service that you paid for and used. Right. I mean, you're, in a lot of ways, your communications world revolved around this. This is how you stayed in touch with people, you know, how, how you how you communicated uh, back and forth. And, and there really weren't alternatives to this other than putting a letter in the post. And, and sure, things moved a lot slower back then. But, you know, I'm just saying, you know, 911 isn't something, it would be an afterthought for today's networks because they're not concerned with things like public safety. They're just concerned with providing efficient, cheap communication over the digital network. But the phone system was, it was more than just a network of technology. Uh, and I'm, I'm not sure where I'm going with this, Chris, but it, just trying to get that point across, it was more than just what you paid for. Well, I'm going to try to 
expand that. Okay, so we didn't really we were going to get into this, but so now is probably a good time is to think about the nature of the business and how it was structured, uh, which is you know not necessarily the uh, certainly not the only way, not necessarily the best way, but very different from what things are today. So in most countries, the telephone network was at and it's all its infrastructure was at least partially owned by the government and funded with partially taxes, right? So that would be something like BT, British Telecom. It was typically what they call the PTT, post telephone and telegraph monopoly that was associated with the government. So in exchange for that monopoly, the promise was to provide universal service at reasonable rates. So in the United States, you had something similar to this in the sense that the bell system for many, many, many years, which was the monopoly on most telephones and not all, but let's say 80 plus percent phones in the, in the US was allowed to exist essentially as a utility or a monopoly in exchange for providing universal quality service uh, at reasonable rates. And like electric utilities or some electric utilities that still remain, they had to go make a case to raise rates or to what how they were going to set rates and their rate of return was limited. And they and on top of all that, in most countries, including the US, this was one of the biggest and best quality employers in the economy, one of the biggest companies and historically well known for very high quality of treatment to employees and vast numbers of people worked for the phone companies. And essentially that has been replaced with a much more ad hoc type of system. And it did have limits to it. There were things that there was one of the reasons of its eventual downfall of the bell system and the PTTs, but it was very different from what it is today. And I think that's to your point about it being larger than just the technology involved. Yeah, yeah, you're right. When deregulation comes along, these alternatives emerge, right? But internet providers, and you know, they're under no obligation to serve the public good, right? When you privatize these things, that's what happens. Look at the trouble the Facebooks of the world are getting into now, and all these issues around privacy. You know, it, it, that's just what happens. This is part again the price of progress. But um, I, you know, I, I just. I'd like to dwell on this because I think we're we're losing more than just an old technology. And yes, it's a little nostalgic and stuff, but simpler times. But yeah, being that big employer that everyone respected, I and mean, if you owned Bell stock, that was you know that 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 was a good sign that you're you know you've got good investments and you know what to do with your money. And yes, there's other things like that today, equivalents for sure. But yeah, yeah, when you turn everything like this over to the private sector, it's, it's much harder now to put the genie in the bottle. And we're seeing that now with the regulators, you know, they, they don't know what to do with these new technologies. And we're kind of, you know, the Amazons, all this pushback against big tech, this is kind of where it goes when the pendulum goes the other way. We're kind of so beholden to this. Like you say, we are slaves to our mobile phones and we'd be lost without them. And, uh, you know, geez, if some kind of catastrophe came along that, you know, made these networks unusable, we'd have nothing to fall back on. Although, ironically, Chris, I have to say, when the nuclear holocaust destroys everything, 
the only thing left standing will be that copper network underground. <laughs> I think it's indestructible. <laughs> even and with it, all the neglect that it's had yeah, over the even, last few years. That, just again, it tells you just what a great innovation and achievement it was. It's just, as I said, you know, the user experience has not changed. And I can't say that about anything else from early, you know, 19th, 20th century innovation. You know, when you think about photography and movies and everything else we use in our everyday lives, they're much different experiences than they were initially. But telephony hasn't changed. It's the same concept. It just, just well, tells you traditional. How, how right, yeah, but how right they got it. Well, that is true. If you have one of the remaining landlines, the signaling on the landline, all the way that the technology works is really pretty much the same as it was standardized to be by the 1920s. But to, but you made an interesting point about large companies and the difference. So it, it's really interesting to think about the differences between the the vast companies of the 20th century and their equivalent today, right? So in its day, I mean, AT&T is still a huge company, but in its day, AT&T and the telephone network, the bell system, was the Amazon or the Apple or the Facebook of it of the time, right? It was huge, super, super influential, very good at working lobbying or working with government to protect their interests. You know, companies like AT&T of the day, IBM, uh, large industrial companies, Ford. And, and, and it's just interesting to look at the difference between then and, and today. And sometimes it's not as much as you think, because with the power that those companies had back in the day, there was much resistance to them with for all their good points as there there is today. I mean, there was a, always a mixed feeling about that concentration of power and um, control of things like communications. So it's not, nothing's really new, yet everything's new, you know? Right, and that image of Lily, Pop, Lily Tomlin is in your head right now, right? Well, one <laughs> of the reasons I brought this up is because <laughs> I think that's what everybody thinks about, uh, right? You know, until you realize that... Uh, you know that 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 world invented transistors they invented lasers you know they invented much of the theory of modern communications which underlies everything just it goes on and on and on right um they also invented cellular telephony um Mm -hmm. or a lot of it but didn't really capitalize it they invented fiber optics uh and it just goes on and on what what is now linux was invented you know, its its ancestors were invented at that at Bell Laboratories. You know, so um, it's it's just a it's an interesting story in a chapter that's coming to a close, right? Right. But as she says, hey, we're the phone company. We don't have to care. We did well. This is what people thought, and that's why yeah. in 1984, one of the main reasons they ultimately got broken up. Yeah, but yeah, that's the, my earlier comment, Chris, about, well, so what's going to replace this as the innovation? And will that innovation be as, I don't know, it's like the space program, right? Will it be ultimately as benevolent to progress in our, the way we think of progress as those, as the telephony companies were in their day? I don't know. It's hard to know, like, where, where is all this AI innovation going? Is it going to turn us 
you know, and into digital zombies. We don't we don't know if it's going to be good or evil. Probably a mix of both. Some people are going to get very rich from it, but a lot of people are not. But hey, a lot of people got rich owning AT&T stock too. So, well, I'm sure. I mean, if you kept held on to your AT&T stock, uh, it's worth many, many, many times now what it was worth when the Bell system broke up. Um, and you'd be owning shares in 20 or 30 companies by now. And the total 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 value of those shares would be way greater. So, you know, that's another sign of, uh, I guess, economic economic growth and 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 progress. But yeah. just to just to put a to put a kind of a circle back to the world of work, it's worth for all of the innovations that the the tell of the PSTN did and how much we value it, especially as analog guys. Me, I'm also a aficionado and collector of that technology and student of it. But if you think about what we've done the last few couple of years with the pandemic and the real growth of everything we talk about every week, all of that depends on technologies that may have been partially based in the PSTN, but not like it at all, right? Mm -hmm, like, sure. you, know, you know, one of the reasons that the PSTN ultimately was broken up was because they could not innovate. They had the innovators dilemma is with all their innovation, they reached the point where they couldn't see a real fundamental paradigm shift to IP. And uh, if you look at everything, we're, what we're using right now, what we're talking on, even if that technology had been extended back then, as they tried to do with ISDN and other things, we wouldn't be doing this. It would We would not have these capabilities, I don't think. We wouldn't have the kind of broadband internet we have right now. We might or might not have Wi-Fi. There's just so much that now is built, baked into everyday work for most people. And again, my usual disclaimer, not everybody. But for a, a large number of people, you just wouldn't have this stuff if it had gone in a linear fashion. Sure sounds like another watch this space topic, huh, Chris? Yeah, I think so, John. But... Uh, RIP a little early, but RIP, right? The the PSTN. Right. Let's make sure we under we, we clarify that as in internet protocol, not intellectual property, which is another angle to this too, I suppose. But uh yes, I should have said uh, <laughs> internet protocol. A lot, a lot of ground to cover. Aye. Okay. Well, okay. yeah, I think that's that that's a good stop point for today. This as you can see, folks, we could take this in a few directions, and they're all interesting. They're all interesting. But to leave you on a, a, a lighter note, this term copper sunset, which I think is pretty apt for what's happening. Again, depends on your generation, what you think of when you think of copper. If you search under the term copper sunset, trying to learn a little more about what we're talking about, you're not going to find anything about the PSTN. But what you will find is a great selection of hair care products from the world of uh, hair coloring. And yes, Copper Sunset is a popular variation of that. So it's not something I'm going to be using anytime soon, but there are tons of women out there, I'm sure, who would love to get another bottle of Copper Sunset. But that's not the business we're in, Chris, I don't think. Well, there are some of us who no longer have the hair to apply it to, but I dare say <laughs> if you looked broadly out there, you'd find a lot of guys with Copper Sunset too. <laughs> So okay. on that note, because today it's just uh, not, not uh, it's a pretty pervasive thing to color your hair. So 
uh, it's great if you have things. it. It's great if you have it, you know. <laughs> we're, we're veering into our comedy routine here. Oh, boy. We'll save that for another time. So we will sunset this episode now. Uh, we're on time now, and we'd like to thank you for listening, folks. Uh, we hope you enjoyed, as always, and you'll stay with us, we hope, as we explore the future of work here on Watch This Space. You can access all of our episodes at www.watchthisspace.tech or wherever you subscribe to your podcast, Google, Amazon, etc. It's all there. And if you like us and our podcast, we'd love it if you left a rating or a review. And with that, I'm John Arnold and over to you. And I'm Chris Fine. Thank you all for listening. John, thanks for having me on as always. And uh, we will be back next month.